What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, sinks and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I am your host, Dominique Smith. As always, thank you all so much for your continued support for this channel, for this platform. We're continuing to grow, and I am truly thankful for each and every one of you. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and subscribe to anywhere you get podcasts. If you like it, leave a like and uh, leave a nice review as well, if you don't mind. It helps the podcast grow. It helps more people find it, and I would definitely appreciate it. I told you we're celebrating National Nurses Day, National Nurses Week, and I hope you enjoyed the episode with Heidi. But today we want to celebrate all the awesome professors out there, all the awesome teachers out there. Happy National Teachers Day. I have one of the best in the game that I got a chance to sit down and interview a couple months ago. Her name is Professor Lori Schantz. She is a professor teaching journalism, and I don't even think that is doing it justice at the University of Oregon. She is a difference maker when it comes to track and field and how it's covered and teaching kids, teaching you know people like myself, new ways, great techniques, innovative ways to cover the sport. And she is truly, truly awesome for the profession. I'm so, so pumped for you guys to get a chance to hear her, get a chance to know her. Um, it was a really fun episode to record. Uh, she's really helped me out on my young journey as a journalist and i'm truly thankful for we talked about how she got into the profession we talked uh, you know about her goal as a teacher why she decided to become one um and just some of the things like that and and she gave a nice hot take about field events that i am so with at the end and you do not want to miss that and so so many great things that we covered in this episode and i think you guys are really going to enjoy it and get a chance to see how she continues to transform lives and transform careers through the power of sports journalism like i said if you go ahead and like and subscribe i would appreciate it but i also want you to follow me on social media Lactic Acid Podcast on Instagram, Lactic Acid underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok. I don't even know why I have it, but I still want you to follow me. Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith and YouTube, Lactic Acid with Dom Smith or Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith. There's some exclusive content that goes down on YouTube that you can only find there. And follow me on fanhubtf.com. There's That's where you can get more of the written portion of what I do. You get a chance to meet some awesome people and definitely stay tuned. We have uh, more nurses coming on and you'll get a chance to hear from them as we celebrate the wonderful nurses who do great things. And you'll get a chance to hear about their journey as nurses, but also uh, their love for competitive running and how it, it helps them day in and day out. As always, thank you for the support and we will catch you next time. Enjoy the episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, Sinks and Anks, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are ripe, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I'm your host, Dominique Smith, and if you've been paying attention to social media, if you've been paying attention to anything that I've said, especially in the previews leading up to this, you know that we are celebrating National Nurses Day, or in some respects, National Nurses Week, on this show 
And the second nurse that is joining me is one of the best. She lives in the great state of Maine, is an avid runner and is a champion when it comes to dealing with frigid temperatures, which is something that I'm not about, even though I think I am, but I am not. She is none other than Miss Kirsten Pfeiffer. What is going on? Thank you for joining the show. Happy Nurses Day to you. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Of course. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, we were chatting before the show. It made me cold thinking about uh, what it's like to live in Maine, but uh, we'll get to that in a second and you'll get a chance to know about her. But I ask everyone this question to start. So I have to ask you, if you had to pick a superhero to describe who you are as a nurse and who you are as a runner, who are you rolling with? Um, so I'm not, I mean, my caveat is that I'm not a huge superhero person um, that is changing because my son is five and all of a sudden he's all into superheroes and bad guys. Um, but I think <laughs> I would have to go with Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, I think as a nurse, you just never know what any day is going to bring and you just have to have on your, your Wonder Woman suit and be ready to swoop into action. Okay, so you answered that as a nurse, and so I'm going to do a little pivot. As a runner, instead of giving me a superhero, give me a television character. Oh, God. Um, I think in life that I'm like Claire Dunphy. Um, I'm kind of a little like particular neurotic, overly organized, maybe annoy people a little bit, but I did love on that show that she was a runner. Like they hardly ever show runners on TV. That is true. That's and so she could just leave her house in complete chaos and be like, I'm going for a run. And that's me. That's that's very true. Now that I think about it, it's usually a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player. And then it's this saturated, you know, it's not it's not an accurate depiction, especially when they do show runners. Um, running is like a foxtrot instead of an actual run and stuff. So I like that. Oh and I think there was an episode where she was actually running like away from her husband. He was chasing her down the street. <laughs> and I was like, I could, I could, just, I feel that some days I'm just like, get me out of this house. And I just take off. That's the beautiful thing about running. You don't need keys. You just need a pair of shoes and, and the proper running gear. And then you take off. Okay. I like that. Much respect, much respect. Okay. So like I said, just start the show. This is National Nurses Week. We're celebrating here on Lactic Acid. So to start things off, tell me what made you want to, why nursing? Why did you get into the profession? What made you want to become a nurse? Um, so it took me a little while to figure out that that's really what I wanted to do. Um, when I first went to college, I got my bachelor's degree in anthropology, um, in medical anthropology, because I was, I was really always interested in health um, and wellness and how that, um, particularly how it um, varies across the world. So, you know, what we think of as being healthy in the United States is often very different um, what they think of as being healthy in like Italy or Japan. Um, I spent my junior year abroad in college in Italy um, and I lived with this old Italian woman and she was convinced that if I left the windows open at night that I would get a chill and like instantly die. Or if I came back from running and I wanted a really cold glass of water, she was convinced that was going to stop up my tensions immediately and I was going to die. Um, wow. But I was, I was afraid of science classes, so I didn't want to go into actually practicing medicine. 
Yeah. Um, and then after college, I worked at an electronic medical records company. So I went around to hospitals helping them install EMRs. Um, and the more that I was out on the floor with the clinicians, I realized that that is really what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't want to be behind the computer. I wanted to be out there working with patients. Um, so I went back to nursing school and did a sec second bachelor's degree in nursing. Oh, wow. Okay. So what schools did you attend? Um, well, I went to Wheaton College in Massachusetts um, for my first degree. Then I actually got my master's in public health from University of New England. Okay. Um, and then I through when I was doing that, I got to go to Ghana for a month and we were running a clinic there. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that was another time where I was like, I don't want to just be the person running the clinic. I want to be a clinician. I want to be working directly with the patient. So I went back to um, the University of Southern Maine has an accelerated nursing program where they cram four years of nursing school into 15 months. Oh, boy. I've, I've heard of that because I went to um, UCF. And so it's it's weird because I remember when they first started that program and they were like one year. You get four years in one year. And I was like, who would do that? <laughs> and I'm like, it was it was so intense. It was all consuming. I'm so glad I did it before I had children because I just I had no other life. Um, but I'm so glad I did it. Um, now I've been a nurse for about eight years and I, I love it. Oh, man. What, what is it about the profession that keeps you going through the hard times? I think knowing that you're making a difference in people's lives, that they're going through really, really hard times. Um, but sometimes just having somebody there that's a friendly face and is a little bit of humanity and recognizes the, the human in them makes such a difference. Um, and I work in pediatrics and I love that because it's fun. Like what other job do you get to wear costumes and play with toys and just be silly and have that be an asset? Yeah. Uh, you can't think of anything. <laughs> can't think of anything. And I was actually reading uh, when we were chatting, you know, a while back, you um, obviously work in pediatrics, you know, you work on the outpatient side and a specialty pediatric and in, uh, for infectious disease, which is interesting, especially when you talk about your travels, you know, to Ghana and to the different places around the world who have, you know, different issues. Did your experience there kind of shape you for that specific, um, you know, part of your job? Would yeah, you definitely. So there's there's two things we do. We have a travel clinic. So if people are traveling abroad, then they come to us first and we look at where they're going and decide what um, vaccines they might need for things like typhoid or yellow fever that we don't have here. Um, and then also, you know, the, the whole population of Maine has changed really dramatically in the last 20 years. It used to be pretty much all white, you know, people of European descent. And we've had these, you know, huge waves of immigration. Um, there's a huge Afghani population here. There's a Somali population. Um, recently, we've been getting a lot of people from the Congo and Rwanda. Um, and so all of a sudden, we're seeing in Maine all these diseases that have never been here before. Right. Um, so it's been really interesting. And then obviously during COVID, we were at the front lines of that. So we were the resource for all the other healthcare providers in the state in terms of what the most current um, guidelines and recommendations were. So you you literally were at the forefront, like you were who they depended on for, you know, access you know and just quality. yeah like every day it was looking at your email and seeing what had changed overnight wow 
how being at the forefront of it, because obviously, you know, the frontline workers, the nurses, I don't want to say more so than the doctors. I always say the nurses, because, you know, from what I understand, you guys have the most hand to hand, you know, you do you're with them the most you're dealing with them the most you personally you did you were telling me you know with the swabbing and administering the test and then now you know kind of being you know in sports we have a term sid the sports information director uh but being all of that how were you able to kind of deal with the madness especially you know it's coming in waves and the world is shut down and and, you know, people are maybe disobedient and it's just spreading like wildfire. Yeah, I mean, it was really scary at the beginning. Um, I was pregnant oh. and there was so much that we didn't know about the disease. Um, and so, you know, I was really worried for like my own personal safety at the beginning. Um, but then I also, so probably like a month and a half in, I was furloughed. Um because they were laying off people that they felt like were high risk. And then I just felt this incredible sense of like guilt that I wasn't there, you know, in this pandemic as a nurse, I wanted to be there helping. Um, so it was, it was kind of hard managing those two things that, you know, wanting, wanting to help serve as a nurse, but also worrying about the health of my baby. Yeah. Um, and then I went back um, like 12 weeks after I had the baby and it was that same thing. It was, going to work every day and really being invested in what I did, but also worrying about bringing home COVID to my newborn. Um, and I had a, a four-year-old at the time. So um, it was a lot. How, how do you mentally stay at bay throughout that entire process? Because that is a lot to deal with. I totally forgot about the, the furloughs. Like, I mean, I, my job, you know, was affected. I don't even know how I forget that. And my job was affected by it, but just you're not, and you have a passion for what you do. Like this is a calling. And so I can't imagine how difficult, you know, that was, but at the same time, you're just battling, you know, the safety for yourself and your family and the safety of others. How do you mentally deal with that in such a crazy time? Well, the worst part about it was that I was very pregnant, like 35 weeks. And so I couldn't run because running is really the way I deal with it now is, as you know, as soon as I could run again after delivery, I was out there. Um, and that's my time to just kind of clear my head, work out those worries, work out that stress um, so that then I can go back and be fully present at work um, and at home with my family. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're a different breed because that is just a lot to, to handle. But learning more about what you do, that is like super cool. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. And I love, you know, every day we get a new referral for a patient with some disease that I've never heard about. Um, and I have to go look it up and figure out what we're going to do for that patient. So you're like the you're like the expert you know, when it comes to this, because yeah, that's what I like about um, my job. Now I had worked in a, a general pediatrician's office before, which was also very interesting, but now we are the specialty practice and we're the only pediatric infectious disease practice in the state. So everybody calls us with their questions. Let's see. I want to phrase this question. So uh, hmm. with what you do now, what has that taught you about people? Um, that people are so resilient and so incredible. Um, so we have right now, like I said, we have um, a, a lot of 
immigrants coming to Maine, and a lot of these people flew from, escaped Africa, and they flew to South America, and then they walked up to the United States. And these are people that had tiny, tiny babies. You know, they were carrying a two or three month old baby, walking thousands and thousands of miles, and they're, you know, they were, it was not a safe situation. They had no money, they had no food. Um, and then, you know, they, they arrive in Texas and they get put on this bus or this plane to Maine and they end up in Maine in January and it's negative 10 and they've never seen snow before. And yet they are just still the, you know, the kindest, most grateful people. Wow. That is, it's hard to imagine, especially, you know, the freedoms that we have, you know, people risking everything, you know, to for a better life and that's just crazy but it's it's at the same time it's so I don't know people you you learn so much about people and just kind of you know the good in people but just the different cultures and stuff like that it seems uh, based on what you do you get a unique cultural experience because you get a chance to learn about different cultures you know through the art of medicine and through diseases and the things that each um, location, you know, has and what they deal with. Yeah, definitely. And you have to be, you know, you have to be creative and you have to be understanding you're communicating through interpreters, um, which makes kind of, you know, communication a little bit different, but you're trying to kind of understand what they understand um, right. so that you can explain what's going on with their child in a way that makes sense to them. Because a lot of times, like a lot of these people end up um, getting tuberculosis somewhere around their journey and um, but it's a latent form so they don't have any symptoms so then they get here and somebody says to them oh your baby has tuberculosis you need to take this medicine hmm. um, but it's taking the time to really explain to them you know what it is that's going on with the child why they need to take this medicine so that they're not just someone's not just like here take this yeah Ask, I'm going to ask one more question about the job, then we're going to transition to running. Um, outside of what you told me, what is something else that you enjoy and love most about what you do or another interesting fact about the position that you're in? Um, so right now I am the COVID vaccine coordinator for um, our entire specialty practice. Um, and that's just been really rewarding is like putting those, putting those shots in arms and knowing that you're helping protect people is pretty incredible. You're saving lives, essentially. Yeah, and we, I mean, a lot of these, the kids that are coming to us, not just so our practice is all kinds of specialties. So there's um, gastroenterology, nephrology, endocrinology, diabetes. So it's kids with a lot of chronic health conditions that a lot of them are immunosuppressed or they're, you know, particularly at risk. Right. Um, and some of them are people that, you know, did not rush out to get the vaccine or were really hesitant, but they have these good trusting relationships with these doctors that they've seen for years. Um, and so, you know, we're then, you know, able to convince them to get the vaccine and get protected. And in a way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, from an outsider's point of view, it seems like you serve as almost like a therapist, too, in a sense, or it's just somebody who provides a sense of peace and calm um, to people with the knowledge that you have, but also just delivering it in a way that they know is going to be okay. Yeah, we try. A part of my job is doing a lot of phone triage. So we're, you know, we are that person you call when you reach your doctor's office. And that was 
a big part of the job during the pandemic is, you know, there were not enough resources. So we, we couldn't see everybody, we couldn't test everybody, we couldn't give everyone vaccines initially. So it was, you know, taking the time to just talk with those people, um, you know, and explain what was going on, what, what they could do for their children at that moment, and make sure that they felt like somebody was listening to them. You are like the jack of all trades and the master of all instead of the master of none. That is just- That's one of the things I love about nursing is there's so many different areas within nursing. Um, and so I love getting to do all kinds of different things in it every day. The fact that you like explained it all is really, because honestly, I see obviously nursing, you know, there's pediatrics, you know, you're in the doctor's office, you're working in offices, and then, you know, everybody understands, you know, the hospital you know, point of view, but, you know, I had no idea, you know, about that world that you work in until you just explained it to me. And that is like the coolest thing um, that I've heard this week. Well, I say this week and the week just started, but it was <laughs> the coolest thing that I've heard this week for sure. Let's go to running. Let's yeah. go to running. Why running? What made you get into running? Has it something um, always done or... No, so kind of like nursing, um, not running was not something that I, I did, was not, you know, a track star growing up. Um, I was a gymnast and that was my whole world. Um, I did re get recruited in high school to join the track team to be a pole vaulter because of my gymnastics background, yeah. but I hated running. Like <laughs> I thought I was going to die during the half mile warm up. Um, and then in Maine, we often usually still had too much snow at the beginning of track season to be able to do any of the field events. Yeah. So they would be like, go out and run for 20 minutes. And I would say, there's no way that I can run for 20 minutes straight. Um, and then I, I, I kind of didn't get into running for a great reason. I quit gymnastics. Um, I went abroad in high school to the, um, to the Netherlands. And then I came back for my senior year of high school and I just felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. Like, gymnastics had been the structure to my life and that wasn't there anymore I felt like I had kind of grown up beyond my friend group because I had you know lived abroad um while after I quit gymnastics I grew like four inches and gained 30 pounds in like four months wow. so I came home and I literally didn't fit in any of my clothes oh wow um so I I was I just felt pretty lost um and I made the decision, well, maybe I'm not done with gymnastics. Maybe I should get back into it. Um, and I started running as a part of that. I developed an eating disorder. Um, and so I just started running more and more. Um, but then I think running is also what ultimately saved me. Um, I got to college. I made some really good friends who were runners. And I realized that if I wanted to do this, I had to fuel my body. Right. Um, so I, you know, I developed a much healthier attitude towards food, realizing that I really did love running and especially the social aspect of it, but that I had, if I was going to be able to do it, I had to fuel my body. That's awesome. This is kind of how running has made such a great impact uh, for you. That is, and it's a, it's a common story too, like, you know, running and then, uh, you know, you talk about the eating disorder. That is a, you know, common uh, story because the more I think about it, just being in Florida playing football, I didn't understand food as well. Um, and I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand it until I got to college and took a uh, nutrition class. And I was like, oh, because, you know, people tell you, okay, eat this, eat this, eat this. And then it's like, nah, like 
Splenda is just as bad as sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. So that is that is pretty cool. Um, you've traveled a lot. That is like all these places you're naming. I'm like making a mental bucket list, like to write that down. <laughs> yeah. So after I got um, out of college, I went to work at the EMR company and I was just sitting in a cube all day, every day. And I felt like it was just killing my soul like that. Sitting at a desk all day was not me at all. So um, I decided that I needed something really exciting to look forward to. So I signed up for the Antarctica Marathon. Oh, my gosh. Um, and there was, a, there was a waiting list. So it took me a couple of years to get in. So I decided that if I was going to go run a marathon in Antarctica, that maybe I should run an, a marathon like in the United States on regular ground first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did a couple marathons here and then I went to Antarctica and I ran the Antarctica marathon. Um, and that night we had a big, a big party back on the boat. Um, and I learned that there was this thing called the seven continents club. Um, cause a lot of people were finishing their seventh continent with Antarctica. Wow. Um, and they, I, had a few too many glasses of wine and I signed up because they're like, you did Antarctica, you can do the other, the other six. Um, so I did. So for the next, I did one a year, one international marathon a year for the next six years That is, um, and did one on every continent. What, what was your favorite? Of all have, they were all so different that I really can't yeah, have so. a favorite. So, I mean, Antarctica was just spectacular and it was such a huge adventure like the boat on the way there we had two days where it was just like 30 foot seas and you'd literally just fall out of your bed and you'd try to eat dinner and your plate would go flying across the boat um and then just seeing like the icebergs and the penguins and it was just so stunning um and then let's see so i did then i went to um to italy to rome and that was really fun to go back because i had been there in college um, and I still speak Italian um, and just running a marathon through, through Rome was pretty spectacular. Um, although all of the cobblestones are killer on your feet. Yeah. For, um, especially like at the end of the race, your ankles are just, just rolling everywhere. But then you get to finish at the Coliseum and you get to have gelato and it's all okay. Oh my goodness. Um, and then what was next? Next, we went to, to Chile in South America. Okay. Um, and that one was, that one was really interesting too. It was like this huge party. Um, so I think the common advice here is not to do anything new on race day. Mm -hmm. So I just wore the same clothes I'd been training in and I was literally the only person not wearing the race shirt. So it's really easy to find me in the pictures because everyone else is wearing this bright yellow shirt and there's me in pink. That's, um, that's good though, because it's like there you you stand out like on purpose. Yeah. But so like people were singing in the corrals before the race and they were drinking along the whole course. So that was fun because it was like this whole party. Oh my goodness. Um, and then, what did we go next? Oh, then I, we went to Japan. Okay. Um, and I, that was a really tough race because I woke up that morning with, I think, the flu. Like my throat was swollen shut. I had a fever. I just felt awful. Um, but we had flown to Japan. Like I wasn't going to not do the race. So um, it was like the Michael Jordan flu game. Yours was the uh, the, yeah, the Tokyo Marathon. The, the flu marathon. <laughs> and that was just so funny because it's like the the Japanese people are so polite. Like nobody would throw their, you, they'd give you the water and not a single person would throw it on the ground. Like because nobody, it, like you would never ever litter in Japan. So every, like, and this race was huge. It's like 45,000 people. 
So there were these huge lines just to get over and throw your water cup in the trash. <laughs> it's crazy. And then they were they were handing out whole tomatoes along the course. What does that? And mean? I was like, what am I supposed to? How am I supposed to eat a whole tomato when I'm running? Is that like? Is there some kind of nutritional value in eating a tomato? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's good like electrolytes and fluids, but I just I was like, I don't know how you possibly eat this. That is a. I need to look that up because I've heard of pickle juice, but that would be. I think I would be flustered. Like, do you throw this tomato, or am I supposed to like eat it? Or that is that's funny. That that, is, that was just a tough race, and it was so so big that you couldn't run any tangents. Mm-hmm. And I started probably like three quarters of a mile back, so I think I actually ended up running like twenty eight miles. And I was just I I finished the, the I crossed the finish line and I passed out. Um, and I woke up on a stretcher and I was looking at my watch and I knew that my husband, we had arranged to meet at the family meeting place. And we said, if we didn't find each other by three, we would just go back to the hotel. Uh And I was like, there was no way that I can get myself back to the hotel. I need him to carry me. So I like, I literally jumped off the stretcher and pulled the IV out of my arm and was like, thank you. Bye. And I sprinted over. I found him right before he left. That's crazy. (laughs) That is that is such an epic story. Like you have to tell that everywhere. That is, that is, you know, we talk about the Michael Jordan flu game. I don't know if you're familiar with what I'm talking about when he played in the NBA finals, I think it was in 92 with the flu. That is more impressive than his flu game. You ran. So you woke up in a foreign country with the flu. You ran with 45,000 people waiting in line to dispose water ran with a tomato in your hand, passed out at the finish line, and you didn't even run a marathon. Technically, you ran like an ultra marathon. What do what they call it, the ultra runners or whatever the case might be? That's epic. Yeah, that's probably is... the closest. That's the only ultra I'm ever going to do. I have no interest <laughs> in running that far ever again. Um, let's see. So then the next one was New Zealand, um, and that was actually our honeymoon. That's how I knew my my now husband was a keeper was when he agreed to plan our honeymoon around my marathon schedule. Um, and that one was super cool. It started up on top of a mountain in the dark. And then we were running down the mountain as the sun came up. Wow. Um, and that was just spectacular. And then you ended up um, at the ocean. That is amazing. Wow. Um, and that was gorgeous. And we had, um, we rented, we were renting a camper van and we, we were driving around the perimeter of both islands. And I've just decided that that is like the best thing post-marathon is that my husband was, was right there with the camper van. I walked like four steps and then I didn't have to move for the rest of the day. Cause it like, I had my bed, I had the kitchen, I had the bathroom. They were all there within like one step, which is like genius husband after a marathon. That is genius. It is genius. I, wow. And then my last one was in Morocco. Um, and that was right after I had started nursing school. And I just, I wanted to get my continents done. So I flew to Morocco for Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Um, and I couldn't find an official marathon. So I, our hotel was on the ocean and there was like a two mile stretch of boardwalk in front of it. Mm-hmm. And I ran back and forth and back and forth. And all these people thought that I was insane because they were all sitting outside at the little seaside cafes, um, drink, eating their breakfast and this like, you know, sweaty, beet wet, beet red, like <laughs> very pale person at the end of a main winter just kept going back and forth and back and oh forth. My. 
That is amazing. Have you this have you ever like thought about writing a, a book on these? Yeah, I I thought about it and I, I had a blog for a while, but it, it wasn't very good. And <laughs> then I then I was doing that nursing program and then I had my first child and then you know life. Life life happens. That is the I've had some pretty cool guests on the show. I don't think I've ever had one to break down seven marathons and seven continents with just, I'm not a runner. I mean, I, like I, I, I started, got hurt and I was like, "Ah." but that like made me, (laughs) I'm not even going to say it made me want to go run a marathon, especially, you know, the full gate. But it definitely made me want to at least go travel to those locations. Uh, That is, Especially music. Well, it's, it's just so funny now because it honestly feels like another life. Um, because now, you know, I have two, I have two young kids. There was a pandemic. I haven't left Maine in like three years. Um, I'm really lucky now to get out for an hour by myself to run. Um, so it, it really, it feels like another person in another life. But like you got to live that life. That is like, so, I, yeah, that is, that is epic. That is like. I can't think of a movie that would describe it. And the one I was thinking about is does not have any implications to uh, the story, but that, that is epic. But I feel like you were made for the Antarctica marathon living in Maine. I was. Yep. Um, my mom came with me on that trip um, and she is, she's not a runner. She's like, there's no way I'm running, but she did the polar plunge with me. So they had us on a belt um, cause as soon as you hit the water, it was so cold that you were just totally incapacitated. So we jumped in, they yanked us out and then they had, um, a bathrobe and a cup of vodka waiting for us, <laughs> a shot of vodka. Um, oh. and I was like, yeah, honestly, it wasn't that much worse than swimming in Maine. Listen, the vodka's there to warm, you know, you know, warm you up essentially, which is better than any heater that you can ask for. Okay. I can dig that. I can dig that. That is, that is amazing. I'm so happy that you broke down all seven of those marathons. Marathons. There's not a marathon in the United States of America that you could run that can compare to the seven that you've already completed. I don't know. What's the one in Death Valley? I would never do that. See, I would much rather run when it's 10 degrees than when it's 80. I don't really. Yeah. That was like Morocco was brutal for me. It was so hot. You see, I'm the opposite. Well, here's the thing. I don't, my sweet spot is like 70 uh, because in Florida, that's, you know, Uggs and, you know, sweatshirt weather. But like, it's not the heat as much as it is the humidity. I've always struggled running in the cold, even, you know, you know, I, you know, it's on the track team and obviously you do the half mile warm up. And if that temperature was, cold for Floridian standards that cold air hitting my lungs was like somebody just jamming needles down it like so to hear you run in 10 degree weather is amazing well I think it's about expectation too like I came down to Florida one time to do the um the Donna the breast cancer half marathon Mm -hmm. and it was like 26 degrees which here in the middle of winter I'd be thrilled about but I was just not expecting that in Florida and I did not bring warm enough clothes and I was freezing wow that, so that I think that, it's just all about like what you're expecting and what you're prepared for Florida's cold is weird Florida has is like drinking black coffee 
it's a bitter cold. Like it, it pinches you. And then it's funny, the people who usually come down to run always pick the worst times to come because it's like usually the coldest weather of the season when we have our outside of the Disney marathons. Usually those are either those are miserable because it's humid and it's raining, but any other half marathon, quarter marathon, whatever it is, 5K, 10K. Um, yeah, people are usually like, I thought this was Ford. I thought this was the land of like sun and 70s and stuff like that. No, they just pick the worst times to come. How many marathons, half marathons, like races have you run? Oh, a lot. Um, so I did nine marathons total um and i i don't even count anything else anymore um but i will say like now i haven't i don't i haven't done a race since um 2019 i guess um so i think it's all just phase of life i signed up i did sign up for one to do this winter um and then as soon as i signed up i really regretted it because it was like then i put this pressure on myself to start training for it um and it actually ended up getting canceled because of of COVID and I was really relieved. Um, so I think in, you know, different parts of your life that, you know, running serves different purposes right now. It's so much about stress relief and getting time to myself. Do you ever think you'll return to competitive running? Well, I was never really competitive. I mean, oh. I, I, I slow, like I, you know, I, my fastest marathon, I think was a four Oh five. That's good. That's not yeah. But it's, it's not competitive, you know, like I'm, I'm never on a podium. Um, I'm very much so I mean if I if I can do those marathons anyone can like I was like I said during track in high school I thought I was going to die during the half mile warm-up I feel that on such a, a deep <laughs> level and I'm like because I'm, I'm like looking at the coach like listen man we we throw the shot put in the discus why are you why are we running laps around the track shouldn't the oh no they made the pole vaulters run the the four by four one race and mm -hmm. like I literally collapsed at the end and I thought I would never get up and I it was 400 see people don't track people who who are listening to this will have a uh will be testifying wherever they're listening to this there is no pain like a like a four by four yeah <laughs> that, right. that especially if like i had never done one in practice so i went out as hard as i could and then i got you know i, I was like okay i must be almost done and i was not even halfway around there is uh, there's no pain there's no pain like a four by four. I, I don't care what event you run. You can run the 800, the, the two mile, the eight marathon race. There is no pain like the end of a track meet, especially if you are not, even if you specialize in it, but if you haven't run and you're like a, a, a thrower or field event, you know, person, mm -mm. that is, that is brutal. I guess your, was your coach like mad at you or something like that? Yeah, he was. <laughs> oh that was our punishment. Well, that's like growing up as a gymnast, you know, running with punishment. Well, okay. Well, that is, <laughs> I did coach. I never thought about that. That's something, if I ever get back into coaching, that's something to keep in mind. Okay. You, you miss practice. You got to run the four by four <laughs> the next week <laughs> and stuff like that. That is something um, I will consider. So you talk about running in different seasons, which is very accurate. Um, you know, especially when, you know, the world is just kind of crazy and life is life, <laughs> essentially. How do you still maintain the joy of running 
um, even if you can't do it ever so often? Um, I think I found more joy in it. Again, like I, I started running not so much for the good reasons, mostly to, to burn the calories. And for a long time, that was a big part of why I ran. Yeah. Um, and I think now I'm more, especially again, during the pandemic, having young children, one of my, my baby who was born during the pandemic had some pretty serious health problems. I, I really found that, that joy in running, that getting to be outside in nature, um, just having some quiet some or some podcast time and just time to myself. Yeah. Um, and again, like my husband and I work opposite schedules because childcare has been so inconsistent. So anytime that I can go out running because <laughs> we're both actually home is just, I, I just feel so lucky and happy. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, so what we'll do is we will, I'll ask you a couple more questions and then we'll wrap this thing up with a bow. Okay. Who are you outside of the track and outside of the profession? The people want to know, we got a, we got a good glimpse. Um, especially, you know, you know, being big, big, oh my gosh, can't even talk today. Being big on adventure. Um, obviously a runner. But that's what the people want to know. That's why they came here to listen to this. Who are you outside of everything else that you do? Um, I love food. I love to eat, um, particularly ice cream. Every continent. I've also eaten ice cream on all seven continents. Hey. Um, another one of my claim to fame. Um, and I love the beach. Um, we, I, I love swimming in the ocean, even though it's freezing. Um, I spent as much time as possible at the beach. Um, and then I, I grew up on an island um, in Maine. My mom still lives there. And that is my favorite place in the world. It's just so beautiful, so peaceful. Um, so that I spend as much time there as I can too. Um, and it's been really fun watching my kids also fall in love with that place. See, I don't know too much about Maine, but I can definitely see like the sunsets and just kind of that um, you know, kind of peaceful aspect to it. So as a food lover myself, what is your favorite, your go-to dish to, to cook essentially? Um, just in general. Well, I mean, I live in Maine, so lobster, um, like in the summer, there is nothing, but my favorite thing to do is to make like a really good margarita and put it in a thermos and then get a lobster roll and go to the beach and then stop for ice cream on the way home. Oh my gosh. That sounds like heaven. Like, see, I, I don't obviously. This is why we live through the winter here. We suffer through the winter for the summer. <laughs> that... Oh man, that is, that is like Jimmy, uh, what's his name? Jimmy Buffett or whatever his name is. Margaritaville. Yeah. Margaritaville. Oh, that is that is epic. That that makes me hungry now, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. But no, what are like the summers like in Maine? They're they're. I mean, it can be a little hot and humid occasionally, but nothing like Florida. But they're perfect. Uh, my perfect summer day is like seventy five and sunny. What's and then at night it still gets down into the fifties, so it's nice and cool for sleeping. Seventy five and sunny is considered warm. That is, oh my gosh. Because I'm not a heat person. If it's over 80, I'm really crabby. I'm I'm moving to Maine. <laughs> like in the summer, 75 is like the low temperature. 
uh, in Florida, if it reaches 75, like let the nations rejoice. Like today is 78. Um, and that's relatively like, <laughs> you know, cool. Cause Thursday is going to be like 90. <laughs> Oh, thoughts and prayers our way would be helpful. But yeah, I'm going to move to Maine after hearing, you know, that wonderful, <laughs> you know, temperature drop. <sighs> Go to ice cream flavor. Um, either mint chocolate chip mm-hmm. or chocolate mousse trap. I do not like vanilla based ice cream. Really? My favorite ice cream place has a chocolate based mousse trap. Why did why the oh that's pain that's pain. I don't like vanilla. Oh, you see, I am a scratch made vanilla brother myself, and I do listen. I can eat a chocolate. I can eat a mint chocolate chip ice cream, uh, you know, till Jesus comes. But oh, like is there uh, a chocolate? Not, even at even at Dairy Queen, when I get a blizzard, I always get it made with chocolate ice cream. Really? Oh, that is. You would hate the ice cream that I eat then. I've never had a chocolate mousse track before. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's got like dark chocolate fudge swirls and little peanut butter cups in it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, diet just ended there because I may have to go try that you know, after the show. Okay. I'm, I'm going to remember that. Despite the hate for vanilla, I, I have to remember that chocolate mousse tracks. I'm going to see if Cold Stone has that uh, down here. Now, I will say this. That is a great summertime ice cream. Um, so, Although I totally, like, there's an ice cream place in Portland um, that you get whatever, however many degrees it is below freezing, you get that percent off. So I have definitely gone to get ice cream before, and it was like negative 20. <laughs> It's worth it. Like, but here's the thing is that's the thing. People are like, I can't eat ice cream if it's too cold. I went to Nashville and it was it was pretty cold in Nashville. And we sat outside and we ate our ice cream. And it was one of it was like a whiskey vanilla, which you would hate. Um, but well, it's got whiskey in it, so maybe it gave it like this unique texture that was like praise the Lord. But um yeah, like I don't know. I can eat ice cream in any kind of weather. It does not matter. We don't discriminate. We do not discriminate. I'm going to ask you a couple more nursing questions and buy a couple, just one or two, and then we're going to move on to our last segment of the show. So, what is something that a myth, so to speak, that you would want debunked about the profession of nursing? Um, well, one thing that always bothers me on like, um, TV shows about the medical industry, they never have the nurses have stethoscopes on them. The (laughs) doctors are always wearing stethoscopes. I'm like, you know, the the nurses are the ones in that room doing the vital signs every 20 minutes. You know, the doctor sees the patient usually once a day. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it, and, and the nurses are the ones that are there seeing the patient, monitoring the patient, really knowing what's going on and letting the doctor know what's happening. And a lot of times they're asking us what we think we should do. So somehow I feel like on TV, you know, you come across as just being like, oh, the cute little nurse is just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but nurses are, are, are really smart, really intelligent, very well educated, um, and they really know their patients. And grossly underpaid, um, especially for what you do, because like you said, um, 
<laughs> sometimes, you know, if a doctor makes his rounds, you know, of course he'll see you, but yeah, you guys are like doing everything. <laughs> yeah. And even in the office, like they're the doctor is not the one cleaning up the vomit. Or the poop or the, you know, all that stuff that comes with it. And then you guys are also answering phones, you know, and talking, you know, to loved ones, giving them updates on, you know, how the patient's doing, preparing them and, and all of that stuff. Like you guys do so much more. I never really thought about that because I don't really watch, uh, I watch TV, but not, you know, too many shows that have, you know, nurses and stuff in it. Obviously I've seen a few, but you make a great point. They really do not portray the doctors get all the love. Uh, and listen, doctors should, because what they do is important too. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty and just the day-to-day things, not even day-to-day, minute-to-minute, you know, things, the nurses, they have to put some more respect on you guys' name. So I do appreciate that point. What is something that makes you hopeful for the profession or what is something that you wish people would understand more so about what you guys do? Um, Something that makes me really hopeful is, you know, they were projecting even before the pandemic, this massive um, nursing shortage. Yes. And then um, like University of Southern Maine, where I got my nursing degree, just um, reported that their enrollment in the nursing program jumped 70%. Oh, last wow. year. That's um, yeah. And so, you know, even after what have been like probably the hardest few years ever in nursing, there are so many new people that are saying, yes, I want to do that too. That's amazing. That's awesome. What have you learned about yourself throughout this entire process? Throughout COVID, um, your career? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think th- that I am stronger and more resilient than I thought. Um, again, it was, you know, being pregnant, a pandemic, my daughter having all these health problems, and yet I feel like I came out of it um, stronger than I was before and with a new appreciation for everything I do have. Definitely. Mad, mad respect for that. Mad respect for just the profession and all that you guys do to keep us safe. But you have completed the initial interview. Now it's time for the hard questions. This is called Down the Home Stretch. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If you do not, don't worry. Very few people do. We have about, I think I've counted four or five that have knocked this out of the park. Are you ready? I'm ready. I can talk really fast. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I got you. If you had to pick a food that you could live with or live, wait, live with and live without, what would they be? Okay. Well, we already talked about ice cream, but also macaroni and cheese. Um, and the only vegetable that I absolutely hate is beets. I I could totally live without beets. Yes. I hate beets too. So macaroni and cheese got a quick question about that. Are you talking store-bought, generic, or scratch meat? Either, but it has to be Annie's if it's store-bought. I do not like the thick Velveeta style. I'll go with Kraft, I'll go with Annie's, or I'll go with homemade. Never had Annie's, but okay. I'd make mine from scratch, but I was just curious about that, but I might have to try Annie's. Okay, if if there was a show or a TV show that you could be a guest star in, what would it be? 
I mean, even though I said I don't like the way medical shows portray nurses, I have been watching Grey's Anatomy, you know, like my whole life. So, <laughs> is that still going? never gonna end. Is <laughs> it? I've, I thought it was like the last season. It's been going on. I'm 27. They keep saying that and then they do another one. Yeah, I'm 27 and I'm sure when I was just a toddler, that show came out. Interesting. Um, okay. If Ben and Jerry's had to custom make an ice cream specifically for you, what would it be? Okay, chocolate base, obviously. Um, and then I actually have already named it. It would be called All Whoopee, No Pie. Do you know what a whoopee pie is? It might oh, be a yeah. main thing. Okay, so I, I don't like cake, uh, but I love frosting. So it would just be chocolate with like big gobs of frosting in it. All whoopee, no so, pie. Right, none All of the chocolate pie stuff, just the middle, just the whoopee. I love that. I love that. So you've thought about this question for a while. Okay. I, I, I can respect that. Um, ben and Jerry's, if we can make that happen, like that would be epic. Um, dream spot to vacation in. Oh, um, again, I've been a lot of places and we, I loved New Zealand so much. Like I just dream about waking up in our little camper van on the beach in New Zealand. I love that, especially after a marathon when you pretty much don't have to do anything. Yep. That is epic. Food Network show that you would love to be a guest star in. Oh, Chopped, I think would be so fun. They did. Like, and my husband and I totally watch it and we pretend we could do it and do well, but I, I would totally bomb. But I think it would be fun. Listen, they did a Chopped Nurses Edition last year. So Food Network, if you're gonna bring that back, we gotta go to Maine, man. We gotta go to Maine, gotta gotta make that happen. We definitely have to make that happen. That would be epic, like a nurse's chop, another nurse's chop edition. I hope they do that again, but we have to like find a way to get them to like um, put you in that show. If there was a trend from the 90s that you could bring back and a current trend that you wish would go away, what would they be? I think it would be more the 80s with the huge hair, like really curly hair. Yes. And if I brush my hair out, it is just this giant pop. Um, and of course, I grew up, I was more like a teenager in the 90s when totally straight hair was in. So I wish I could bring back the giant hair from the 80s just because my hair is made for that. Okay. Um, and then something I think should go away um, is skinny jeans because I have runner's caps and they are big and they like it's it's like compression socks basically when I try to wear skinny jeans. <laughs> I love that. Skinny jeans are compression socks. They look like they will cut off. People love them, but they look like they cut off your circulation. Oh, um, I went to get a pedicure once and I couldn't get my skinny jeans back down over my calf. Oof. Okay, well, that is a problem. Like you said, you might as well be wearing the Nike long sleeve compression <laughs> shorts, <laughs> essentially. Okay, if there was, we have a couple more. If there was an actress that you wanted to portray you in a movie about your life, who would you choose? Oh, I don't know. I think it would have to be, if we could like, teleport her back in time when she was younger, Meryl Streep, because she can be anybody and be brilliant. Okay. Okay. If they had to make a movie about you, what would it be called? What would it be called? 
start. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll whoopie no pie is probably not the movie. I was, I was literally just about to say that. I was like, I kind of hope that she shows us all whoopie no pie because that would be a pot. <laughs> that would that would probably be it. Oh man, and I feel like because you're in Maine, it would be like produced by Hallmark, like a nice little festive Christmas movie on their countdown to Christmas that goes six years in a row or six. Or months. we have this really disgusting Maine soda called Moxie. Um, and I would never drink it because it tastes like battery acid, but I also think that maybe that would be a good movie title because I'm kind of like spunky and tenacious. Moxie or battery acid? Moxie, not battery acid, Moxie. I mean, that would be a good, you know, name for a movie too. Okay, last two questions. If you had to pick anyone to narrate your life while running a marathon, so they're the ones that are doing commentary while running while you're running a marathon or running one of your marathons that you did in seven continents who would you go with oh i think it would be kara goucher um because i okay. really loved listening to her this year at the olympics and then i was listening to her you know talk about it on the alley on the run show and she was talking how hard it was for her to be like not emotional because she got so emotionally invested and she knows these people um and so i would want someone like that that like really puts their heart into it that's a great that's a great one now that i think about it kara i think just personal opinion ali would be good at that and i was thinking like james earl jones yeah like, so that would just he would make everything sound sexy yeah, just like low key. Even when you're sweaty and like slogging through the end of a marathon, he would somehow make it sound good. Like, can you imagine him calling that Tokyo Marathon? Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be epic. Okay. Last question. What is the change that you want to see in the profession of nursing? Um, I think a little, a little more respect. Um, a little more money would never hurt anybody no, no. um but I, I think again i think the pandemic in some ways did have some positive impacts and that i think you did get um a lot more respect um, and gratitude from from the world as a whole you have completed down the home stretch. You are like a gold medalist because you answered that like a champ. There have been people on here who have competed for gold medals and they could not handle the pressure of down the home stretch, but you aced it with flying colors. That's why nurses run the world. And I am so thankful that you came on the show. I am thankful for all that you do. You are a hero, a scholar, a saint, and you can call yourself an ultra runner as well. Um, especially after what you've done. Thank you so much for joining the show. If you know anything about Lactic Acid, you know I'm going to spill some social media links. Follow us, Instagram, Lactic Acid Podcast, Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore pod. TikTok, yes, I still have it. Don't know how to use it. Don't even think I'm going to continue to try to use it. But Lactic Acid Podcast, it, it will help me if you gave me some followers because at least it makes me feel better about myself. Everything is on the website, lacticacidpodcast.org. And if you're interested in the sponsor for the show, shoot me an email, lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to work with you. Would love to chat with you. Happy Nurses Day. Put some respect on the nurses' names, and we will see you next time.